Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Bloomer. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Today, welcome to June. Welcome to New Metal Forefathers Month. Forefathers Month. Papa. Papa. Papa, is that you? Is that you, Papa? That's right. All this month, the month of June, we will be listening to albums by the supposed forefathers of new metal bands that, for lack of a better word, laid the seeds mm. to birth this <laughs> oh, genre. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's not a bad <laughs> analogy. Laid the seeds. Okay. Laid the seeds. Pumped and dumped. <laughs> Well, in some cases, that may have been what happened because some of these fathers do not want to acknowledge their sons or daughters. That's true. Just putting it out there. That is true. All <sighs> right. So to kick this month off, we are listening to Rage Against the Machine's self-titled debut. We're going to get all into that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to say, hey, this reminds me of some new metal. And hey, I recognize this voice. And we'll... Just get into the whole deal. But before we get to that, we got to talk about the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2. Rock and Pod. Expo 2. That's right, everybody. It's coming up Saturday, August 25th, 2018. We're going to be there. Who else is going to be there? Head from Corn. Toby Wright, producer extraordinaire, the Talk To Me podcast, discography discussion podcast, many other podcasts that I need to familiarize myself with. Who will not be there? Matt Nas, Vinny Vincent. That's right. If uh, if you've been near a rock podcast in the last week or so, you may have heard that Vinny Vincent will not be there. Very hot, very controversial thing. Uh, I will admit I'm not too involved in that aspect of things, but uh, dude fucked up. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. That's it. That's my not, whole contribution. That's it. Not the best look, Vinny Vincent. Wow. Not the best look. Vinny, yeah. what did I ever do to you that you wouldn't show up on this day, the day? Of the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo too, I'm personally yeah. offended. I booked a flight to yeah. Nashville. You just booked it right before we started recording. I did, yeah. and I knew that he wasn't going to be there, but I'm still pissed. Oh man! So uh, uh, rest assured, our though, blood is boiling. I mean, <laughs> the the intensity in the room is insane right now. I wrote Vinny Vincent and then a frowning face on a whiteboard earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take a picture of it. It was just for me. No, it was for me. But I wrote "Do not erase" under it, so it'll be there. For Do a not while. erase until eight twenty six. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be mad. Then I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a healing. You're gonna have a cleansing erase. <laughs> yes. Oh, cleansing erase was my new metal band. And I'm just like, oh, that's a good one. I like good. that one. So yeah, so get your tickets now for that show. We will be there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And um, we're excited to see everybody who shows up. Guys, who's tweeting? Who's who tweeting? Is? I like so, that you've turned this into a surprise for us. Hell yeah. We're I really both am just like waiting. Just <laughs> you, you really did get me 
that we got to talk <laughs> about the podcast thing. So, uh, uh, well, I'll tell you who is tweeting. Garrett Fuller says, when Charles uh, Manchin said, my dad works on brain tumors, I felt that. Oh, man. Uh, Charles, Charles Manchin. Yeah, check out my three. I had dropped three hot singles. Yeah, we checked them out. Charles well, there's Manchin. Some- Charles, are you uh, are you looking to go on the road? Are you allowed to go on the road? My dad doesn't let me drive the car yet because I'm over fifteen. Well, pretty oh. soon, Charlie. My yeah, you'll, you'll you'll get your learner's permit. I don't have my learner's permit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, same. Uh. Same. If you uh, missed yeah. the three tracks Charles Mansion has dropped, woo! Straight fire. You missed yeah. some fire out there. Um, fire. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Charles Mansion made his debut at the tail end of the System of a Down episode that we did, episode 100. 100. Tremendous feedback. Uh, Timothy John Henderson said, Guys, episode 100 was everything I could have hoped for and more. Charles Mansion is a brand new Roach Coach classic. So happy and proud of y'all for keeping it going as long as you have. And I thank you, thank you, thank you, because Wednesdays are a day I look forward to all the time. Keep up the great work. Andrew Jacob says, love this album. Perfect. <laughs> Alejandro said, I knew I was in for an incredible journey when I saw that two plus hours runtime. Hashtag <laughs> keep on podding, baby. <laughs> yeah, we uh, promise to try to keep who's tweeting shorter. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, in this spirit, Jake Leach says, "Oh shit!" Uh, hashtag Give me them sticks to the sticking. This episode was fantastic. Also, now that more than I just have suggested it, we need maximum the hormone. We need a maximum the hormone episode. Hashtag uh, Whiff of the Fart Monster. Gotta get that whiff. Yeah, <laughs> just just a whiff. Nick Jones uh, said, uh, killer album and episode, hashtag brain tools. It needs to be said the music video for Toxicity is the same as Mouth of War by Panthers with the pit from nowhere for the big rift. I was in high school when this came out and similar to Olympus Kachaka Starfish a few years earlier, pretty much everyone had this album or at least a burned copy. You cannot escape this album. Uh, they toured the following year on the Big Day Out, Australia's biggest touring festival at the time, and were the sloppiest live band, likely due to Darren being baked. Still a good gig, though. Here's to 100 more. Please do Blind Spot. New Zealand needs some love. Right. A New Zealand new metal band. All right. All over the world, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Topangali says simply hashtag Charles Manchin. Charles Manchin. <laughs> Jason Andrew Goodman <laughs> says, I took parasitology my senior year of college, and our final assignment was a research paper on a parasite of our choosing. I selected uh, Tinea solum, the pork tapeworm, and in addition to the paper, I turned in a burned copy of System of Down's Needles in order to provide a little mood music as my professor read a paper about this particularly horrifying infection. I doubt I made a fan that day, but I also doubt he'll forget that paper. Oh, and I think it's been 50 or so episodes since I suggested them, so here's a friendly reminder that Finger Eleven exists. <laughs> it has a couple of new metal albums out there, and I think there's well. Anyway, congrats on being, hitting the big 100. Uh, going to go ahead and throw out way too early mock draft here and say White Pony at 150 and issues at 200. 
if you finally relent to do another cold album at three thousand two hundred and fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Little did he know. Yeah. Little did he know. Uh, um, sweet innocent. Uh, Alejandro uh, had to break out the Toxicity album after listening to the episode, and he posted a couple pics of uh, of young Alejandro with Surge. This was awesome. Uh, this is amazing. He got he got one pick with Surge. Surge is behind a fence, and then it looks like he earned Surge's trust to then greet him next to the bus uh, together in some so, sort of Ray Band. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone looks wonderful. Uh, Giancarlo says, first of all, congrats on the 100th episode. Toxicity basically changed my high school when it came out. Everyone listened to it. It seemed like finally everyone gets it. One of the best albums ever. Still listen to it regularly. System of a Down fan should be called Sodies. Uh, and then there are lots of um, hashtags. Yes. Uh, ben Rusky said, could System of a Down fans be called Downers? Are true Jenny and metal he- meathead Jenny really one and the same? Is Charles Mansion the show's greatest character to date? So many questions. That aside, excellent as always, guys. Been there since day one and have yet to be disappointed, though many of the albums tend to be disappointing. Congrats <laughs> on 100. I remember picking, uh, checking out a promo copy of this at the listening station at the Ferndale Record Time. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. I was already very much checked out in all things new metal by the time this came out, but I but liking the first LP, I gave it a chance. I was very impressed with how heavy it was and still am. Needless to say, despite much of the silliness, this album still holds up. So many riffs. Hashtag give me them sticks to the stickanine. I need them sticks, Nas. And hashtag welcome the bitch, which is true. The bitch is in the new metal canon, in case you missed it. Uh, Matt Lyons says, sometimes the opening act upstages the headliner. Hashtag Charles Manchin. Charles Manchin. A star is born. <laughs> Sheldon says, congrats on 100. Charles Manchin is my new fave. Rapper so far. Okay. Charles Manchin. Never mind. He says, congrats on the 100. Charles Manchin is my new fave rapper for show. Hashtag drop the EP. I'll say, though, it kind of seemed like Jenny might take Surge up for some coffee now. Shrug. Oh, Sheldon. You called me out. You're right. I oh. softened. Whoa. You're never Serge. Stance is softened. Yeah, sure. I mean, I feel like when we had the never Serge thing, I was I hadn't been worn down <laughs> by the fucking <laughs> dump truck of shitty albums we listened there was to. There's another seventy albums worth of new metal you hadn't yeah. heard yet. Oh yeah. That's like when you when you first start dating and you go out with somebody and you're just like I don't know. He's got a weird pinky. And then you're you just like, the real shit heap. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, I. How, hey, man. Yeah. We're that, cool. That was on me. <laughs> I would say that was on me, although I still bet it would be annoying. But whatever. <laughs> Jax. Jax Lawson says, happy hundo, y'all. I forgot how much toxicity slays. Inner Jenny is my spirit animal. Lauren's defense of the album as new metal was inspired. Certainly not butt rock guitars. <laughs> certainly not. Uh, can Matt activate a song's meaning songmeanings.com debate the same way he activates a pit? Awesome. And then she said, anyway, I'm going to take a break from these comments with some light reading now. And then she posted a picture of a stack of books that includes Infinite Jest, Shadow Claw, Nishi, and I can't read this. Other Luther's one. works. Yeah, just a lot of just a lot of light stuff. 
Uh, Mike says, I love this album. I always forget how good it is, and I don't get around to it nearly enough. Met these dudes on their first tour, Save Surge. Probably had to go get coffee by himself. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) They met them at a record store on their first tour, and like just super down-to-earth dudes that you'd never guess from listening to their music. I remember dropping a shirt off a rack and Chavo picking it up for me, and that's a really stupid memory, but it stuck with me for some reason. That's not stupid, Mike. I will say I would remember that forever. Absolutely. Uh, Over on Twitter, Rob Zander said, you must check out Straight Up, a tribute to Lynn Strait, tribute album for the lead singer of Snot who passed away. Guests include Max Cavalera and Corey Taylor and many more new metal icons. Do it. You will not be disappointed. Spoiler, it's actually a great effing record. Uh, All right. Yeah, thank you. Shmeev says this album fucking rocks. You used to listen to it on repeat all day back before I had money. I could buy my own music. I stole it off of my brother. And it's still amazing. I think for Bodies Talk, Chop Suey has the anthem, Everyone's On Board. Mm. I don't think this album has a Bodies in the overall sense. They let the beat cool off way too much, but the Bodies of this album would definitely have to be Chop Suey for the crowd unification factor. Also, many congratulations on this achievement. Love the show. Love you guys. Excited for all the new metal to come. Here's to several more hundos. 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 And then there were hashtags. Brad Hicks. <gasps> it's been so long since his name's it's even been uttered on this show. Our only heel ever. <laughs> Truly. Uh, Brad Hicks says, shout out to my old pals and Roach Coach for putting together 100 episodes of a podcast that is not at all respectful of our time. Here's to 100 more reasons for me to scream out, hashtag not my canon, hashtag activate the Hicks, hashtag Brad Hicks drums, <laughs> hashtag Roach Riders. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Not you mentorin, uh not documentary, says I just discovered this podcast really well done and entertaining. Losing teeth at an LB concert is indeed a metal gif. Metal AF, sorry. Ugh, keep it up. Well, we'll keep up the podcast. I hope to not lose any more teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that was enough for me. And uh, over on Instagram, Scribble says, legit forgot how much I enjoy this album until listening to this episode. Living in SoCal, this shit is shoved down your throat as a kid, and I was not having it at 14. Whenever someone brought it up, I'd just say, fuck that. If it ain't Megadeth, I don't give a fuck. Now in my mid-20s, I see the error of my ways. Thank you, Roach Coach. Trevor Danger says, truly one of those start-to-finish masterpieces, regardless of genre. Excited for another 100 episodes, gang. And uh, Lord Hefe One said, this was my guest for episode 100. I was looking forward to it. Got my floor tickets to see them this year. Woo. Ooh. Nice. Enjoy, enjoy yourself, Lord Hefe. And finally, sweet, sweet Josh Toomey over the Talk To Me podcast says, pretty sure if you look close enough, you can see Prowlor in the bushes on the cover, Matt Noss. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Uh, I have uh, to say a big thank yes. you to everybody who entered our multiple giveaways for episode <laughs> 100. We finally had the drawing a couple weeks back. Uh, J.D. Snyder Jr., Timothy John Henderson, you should have received your T-shirts already. Chris Freeman, I've already been in contact with you. Uh, thanks. And we have those posters on the way. Uh, Jar Jar Kardziar on Twitter <laughs> uh, was the big Juice Pigs winner. Got confirmation they received those. And the stickers... Um, Almost everybody who asked for them has received them. So if you've not received stickers, just reach out to us and we'll correct that grievous error. 
And uh, yeah, thank you so much, everybody who uh, comments on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, sends the DM, email, all that good stuff. I keep on saying hello and certainly shoot us an email at roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com as coach with a K. The album of the week, New Metal Forefathers Month, kick it off, Rage Against the Machine by Rage Against the Machine. Jenny, when did this album come out? This album was released on November 3rd, 1992. Whoa! Very early. That's before anyone was old enough to have a party. I heard yeah. parties are cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My um, yeah. I went to a party with my cousin Mark, but it was when I was at my grandma's house. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was cool. And is that where you did all those kickflips? Oh my god! Yeah, I, I ollied over the house. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Shit! No, it's a small house, but it did. I got like big head start. <laughs> Big head start. Big head start. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, I've been to a party. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sounds sounds legit. I think that I think that that uh that backs up. Uh Jenny, history with uh Rage Against the Machine and this album. Um, I mean, I feel like everybody our age knew who Rage Against the Machine were and this album uh I, I don't know that I have very many specific uh memories of this album at the time. It was mostly just like the radio hits for me. But uh I remember thinking that it was very cool. I mean, at the time I was eight that it was released. <laughs> so, you know. I was still just like, um, I put these blocks together. So that was definitely what I sounded like. But uh I I remember getting a little into it when I was a bit older. I know that when I heard it, I thought it was sweet and like mm-hmm. awesome and I didn't really understand what that meant. Um and then as I got older, uh I really uh I would listen to this and I I just really loved it. That's my whole history. That's it. Lauren. So, I remember being afraid of this band when I first heard them. I remember seeing one of the videos for either Freedom or did Killing in the Name have a video? One of them, probably Freedom. Freedom, had, being, Freedom had that video where they put text over right. them playing mm-hmm. live, and it was about the American Indians being uh, basically shoved out of their land. Yeah, so I remember seeing that and being like a little afraid of it. And then... Um, just constantly hearing the songs as you know i got into middle school and i didn't get the cd i think until either the end of middle school beginning of high school i got it for christmas i got it the same christmas for my aunt who also got me the first corn album it was this is insane bounty i think there was a third album but i don't remember what it was but i remember that getting those two was bananas to me because they both had parental advisories and i was just like what this is amazing so yeah, so I have my original copy here in front of me. Uh, so yes, yeah, so this was a gift. I had no price for it. And um, yeah, and then I was basically all in on Rage Against the Machine from then on. I remember when Evil Empire came out, that was like a huge deal in middle school. Yeah, and then I, you know, I got to see them once in concert um, when they were touring Battle of Los Angeles. I thought I was going to die, and it was like one of the best concerts of my life. Matt Nas, History with Rage. Uh, let me just make sure I correct it. The Freedom video is about Leonard Peltier. 
Okay. Who was that? Uh, he was the American Indian Movement member. He was locked up. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's basically telling his story. Motherfuckers, I own this on tape. Whoa. Matt wins. <laughs> Matt wins. I was 15 years old when this album dropped. And if you didn't have this, you were, you were, it was straight out of Compton. And this were like on equal footing. Like you had to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you cannot, it's like it was weird. I came from weird times, but it was like Beastie Boys License to Ill. Guns N' Roses Appetite from Destruction. Like, this is kind of like junior high school. And then it was like Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, it was this this album was everywhere. And I saw them, Lollapalooza 93. Ooh. At wow. Milan Dragway in uh Milan, Michigan. And I got second degree uh, burns on my nose. Uh, so I have a from, little divot in my what? nose from the sun. From the riffs? <laughs> from oh. the, yeah, I got fucking shredded, bro. Um, yeah, so I, I, I loved Rage. I thought they were awesome. I thought they were the fucking coolest. But at the same time, I also was like, you know, I'm pretty good with three songs. <laughs> like, it was always a hard record for me to listen to cover to cover. Hmm. And... I won't blow it, but I think we'll know why as we go through this record. Uh, I will tell you something real quick. While I may not have had too much personal experience with this record, Sweet Mitchell Sosha. (gasps) Oh. This was like a big album for him. Um, And the reason I know that is because at his parents' house where he grew up, there's a closet that they just let him write in. Uh, so when he was a teenager, he just wrote basically all of the lyrics for this on the walls. He wouldn't let me see it until we'd been dating for like more than a year. Uh, but he (laughs) let me into the closet and it's all just rage against the machine lyrics. And he told me, um, that he didn't want to talk about how much it meant to him too much because it felt too cheesy, but he said, I did have to ask my mom what a fascist was. <laughs> he was like kind of a kid when this came out. So uh, I just well, hey, felt like I wanted what? to mention that because there is it's still in Durand, Michigan, in a little tiny, a tiny town in Michigan. The closet exists with all the lyrics written all over it. Um, It's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember uh, uh, listening to... I mean, it had to have been Nevermind. Isn't it on, isn't it on Nevermind where he says nature is a whore? Um, right? On, in Bloom? Yeah. Yes. In yeah. Bloom. And I, I asked my mom what a whore was. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> What's worse? So, I don't know. I feel like Mitch had a better conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jenny, who's in Rage Against the Machine? Uh, in Rage Against the Machine on this album, we have... Shock of all shocks, Zach De La Roca on vocals, Tom Morello on guitar, Brad on, Brad Will on drums, Brad, like he's my friend, Brad Will Brad. drums, and uh, Tom Comerford credited as Timmy C on bass, backing vocal production and art direction. Uh, they're all tagged for production and art direction, by the way. Oh, yeah. 
producer, an old friend, a guy who really, I mean, basically he produced this thing and then was like, you come to me. You know my rep. Who we got, Jenny? Garth. Whoa. I did not know that. Me neither. And that uh, was like really, I mean, I probably, if you listen back to other times we've done this, I probably learned that and then promptly forgot it. But I thought that was sweet. I had this no idea. It was recorded at Sound City, right? Oh. Uh, yes. Sound City Studios, Scream su- Studios, and Industrial Recording. Genre tags, rap metal, alternative metal, funk metal. You guys, I got a book here in front of me. I don't know if you can see it here. Christ Gow's Consumer Guide Albums of the 90s. That's right, you guys. Robert Christ Gow's back. Just a little teaser. He has reviewed every single album that we are doing for New Metal Forefathers Month. So let's just go to see what Robert had to say about Rage Against the Machine. Metal for rap lovers and opera haters. One star. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so uh, focus tracks, wake up and know your enemy. I think one star. Oh, so this has a glossary here. Uh, three, two and one stars equals an honorable mention. If there is a piece of raw meat, it means choice cut. If you get in a little N with a circle around it, it means neither. If it has a bomb... Neither of it's what? A, neither. It's all it says. Okay. Neither. <laughs> if it's a bomb... <laughs> That's not if, helpful to me. Wait, it gets better. If you get a bomb, it's a dud. Okay. But if you get a little picture of a turkey, it's a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Kreisgau, you motherfucker. Uh, all right. So let's do it. Let's break into this thing. All right, the first track, bomb track. Oh shit! Oh, here we go.
feel like we're just going to listen to this whole album. (laughs) (laughs) How? Okay, here's the question. Okay. How fucking many people have bitten that? Yeah. Like, I mean, that was my, that was my journey through this album was like, this was bit. They took this. This was taken. This was stripped for parts. Like, yeah, so much of this thing. The the problem I had with this album is that if I listen to it too many times in a row or too much in a row, it's very hard for me eventually to distinguish one song from another because they play that loud, quiet, loud a lot. Like mm-hmm. just Zach whispering something and then them dropping the shit out of it. Like it's great. Like mm-hmm. each individual one of those is fantastic. When it's the whole album of it, I'm like, all right, I kind of know what you guys are doing. That was always the issue I had with Rage. But when I hear this, I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Do it every song because it works and it works well. <laughs> I mean, it's a hot open. Um, great groove. It's uh, pretty funky. It's uh, much funkier than what we you know normally deal with on the show. Um, but it's I, I noticed the thing is that it's a strong open, but it's not an overwhelming barn burner. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's more it's of a not, mission statement than a yeah. We're here. Get ready. Mm-hmm. Lock yeah. up your children. It's a barn builder. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and the thing that's also interesting about it though is that it has you know these classic what now classic de la roca you know lyrics about a lot of things about you know oppression and you know you know landlords and power holds uh, whores holds all the people they took turns you know but then we get into that chorus burn burn yes you're gonna burn like they're like don't worry we have our message but we still got hooks we got hooks i always felt like this is a band that has a lot to say, but then gets you to say what they need you to very simply. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, these yeah. verses are fucking three eleven dense. Like they're dense. Yeah, they got mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of lyrics. A lot of lyrics. Yes, but their lyrics that for a purpose. Yeah, I, I was more yeah. comparison like they just have a lot of lyrics. They do have a lot of lyrics, uh, of which. You try looking at these on songmeanings.com, Lauren? Oh, I went on songmeanings.com and was greeted with the message, due to a publisher block, we are not authorized to display these lyrics. Did that stop anyone from commenting? Fuck no. Rage (laughs) against the machine, a.k.a. your website, Jenny. That's right. (laughs) Songmeanings.com is the machine. I don't want to blow anybody's mind that... um, we got some wild boys here and wild ladies in the comments of songmeanings.com. Uh, 41 comments uh, for this song. Uh, Jenny, do you got any favorites? I think my favorite was a pretty simple one that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just from Bazaar. And it says, assholes, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I don't know if Bazaar is talking about... Uh, songmeanings.com. No, I, I don't know. I just liked it. What about you? Uh, I liked Delta Joy saying, kind of straightforward song of aggression. Anyway, he sings here, fuck Manifest Destiny. 
Manifest Destiny was a 19th century social concept in the U.S. claiming America was a chosen nation by God to lead the rest of the world out of, quote, darkness, that it was America's destiny to do so. And I was like, this is the first time that I've come across a basic straight ahead comment of like, oh, by the way, this is what Manifest Destiny is. Um, So I enjoyed that. Um, There was also a comment uh, from Carl uh, who said, Hell yeah, you're gonna burn. Man, I love the way this song builds up, the guitar picking, and then just bah! It just breaks down. Burn! <laughs> and uh, yeah, I could hear him saying it. So I very much enjoyed that one. All right. Up next, we have Killing in the Name. Should we throw this table over right now? <laughs> the table over. Matt, everything's on it. Don't give a shit. Why not uh why not go to four minutes? Alright, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. much better than this fucking song oh, it doesn't it's got me swearing like a teenager yeah this jenny this is one of your still... all-time favorites right oh yeah i love this song it's still it it like you said it's got you swearing like a teenager it has me feeling like a teenager every time i hear it, it... i mean we 
uh, we listened to the song with RJ outside of that right. corn show mm-hmm, in, your, yeah. in your car. And we were all just like, oh, my God, man. We're all in our 30s. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. still just like sort of. This song works on every level. This song has got like five or six builds in it um, that all pay off. But the thing that I, I don't know, I've listened to this song, I don't know, hundreds, possibly thousands of times in my life. How have I never noticed that the verses are the same line over and over again? How did I ever notice that? Because it doesn't matter. No. Well, the other thing is that he says everyone different, like an acting exercise or something, you know? And (laughs) I was, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know. And, And then on top of that, it's like he's talking about racist police, police brutality. I was like, man, Rage Against the Machine, you were fucking right, bro. (laughs) I think I'm going to ask this every song. Okay. Who bit this the hardest? Like, who stole from this song the most? Um, Well, I think for lots of fucks, Limp Bizkit, for sure. (laughs) Um, let me see. Because I I would say, like, from a forefather's point of view, mm-hmm. this song is that seed that new metal definitely, like, don't pay any attention to the rules. Do what you need to do. Yeah, I I I think the thing, and I think the the reason that there's this sort of like the members of Rage Against the Machine dismissing new metal and not liking it, is that the point of this song is, you know, the police brutality, racist police angle, but all that new metal pulled out of it is "fuck you, I won't do what you tell me." Right. That's what everybody took home with them. Jenny, thoughts? Oh. No, I mean, I agree. I'm just listening. I'm just listening. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I would think the most obvious thing I would think of, like, who bit this would be Limp Bizkit. But I, the reason I was hesitating to say that was because I hadn't quite pulled what you said, Lauren, which was just that they all they pulled was like the fuck you. <laughs> I won't do what you tell me part. Not yeah, that it's all I mean, the songs are about, but more or less. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play new metal dumb here. Would a band? Would you also say a band like Pod bit this uh, with Southtown? Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. Oh yeah, I mean now yeah, when you put it, that song like in my mind, like yeah, Southtown. I mean, I would say that's probably part of the reason that we both love Southtown so much is that it's. I mean, yeah, an, a pretty obvious rage rip, you know. And I think also the really, the really good new metal bands that we've focused on tend to have like the like a like they got their front man, but they have a star guitarist. And so when you look at that, you've got Wes and Limp Bizkit, you've got Marcos and Pod, you know, anybody who's got that, you know, the guitarist who can do more than just give you a riff but like you can get a little fancy with it then yeah they're gonna try to bite it a little bit i know um uh i want to say papa roach has said that they have 
like like have cited Rage Against the Machine as like a huge influence and have definitely when they put out some records been like, oh, this is like, you know, we were feeling rage when we made this record. Um so you could argue that a little bit. I, I think mean... maybe maybe on Infest. I'd say on Infest. I don't I don't think Okay, so well let's l- let's take a look at the most logical parallel from killing okay. the name to Papa Roach, which is last okay. resort. Right. Mm-hmm. Is I mean, obviously this isn't a quality conversation. This is a biting conversation. I know that you're just saying that to me, Matt, because I can't handle it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but this is forefathers month. Like, I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> We're testing our parents are here. bringing out all of our feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're gonna have all of our feelings about all of our like family now. I just don't like my uncle. Okay. Okay. He sucks. I know I'm named after him, it but he's bad. He's a bad guy. Um. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I think last resort that idea of uh, loud, quiet, loud. I begrudgingly and lovingly see what you mean. Right. Okay. I cool. see, I know what you mean. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. Because uh, we've got go a pretty freaking great album to keep going through. So yeah, I, I will mention um, 222 comments on songmeanings.com. Um, I mean, just a lot of. I mean, not quite uh, novels, but I mean, packed with information. Everybody letting you know about how the KKK has infiltrated uh, the police and the government. Um, lots of that. And um, the thing I had to mention though that this track is iconic it's such a good song that even with the amount of the f word that is in this song regular radio play like this song was regularly played and still gets played and also i like through my life going to bachelor parties and stuff anytime i've gone to a strip club this song plays and it always blows my mind i'm always like for real okay (laughs) it blows my mind whenever the fuck you i won't do you what you tell me part is played in a public setting because it's such a slow burn it's so awkward the first couple of minutes like you need just to be watching the band (laughs) get low you know like Mm -hmm. oh boy oh boy no i can't do it i can't say these words out loud i'm gonna say these words out loud it's like shout (laughs) (laughs) it is like shout that's a good example where it's like the wedding, a, the wedding shout, the wedding the shout, where it's right, like a little bit right. softer now, and everybody gets on the floor. You need the band to be do again. This is parallels, not equals. Uh, <laughs> this is all Papa tendrils, baby. <laughs> Papa tendrils. Papa tendrils. It's me, Papa tendrils. Papa um, tendrils is a being that you would encounter no, in, in a pa- marsh. Papa tendrils went on tour with Moxie Fruvis in the nineties. I don't know what that is. I don't get that one either. That's okay. Nobody wants to, but my Canadian listeners are eating it up. All right. I believe you. All right. Let's do it. Up next, take the power back. Crank the music up. Thank you. 
So this one, obviously, um, a public enemy tribute, obviously with that chorus to take the power back. This gave me almost like a, a more politically minded Van Halen with some of the guitar <laughs> moves on this. You know, um, I shouldn't say a more. I should just take out the word more and put politically minded Van Halen. Um, but also, I, I mean, I mean, this whole album is this basically, but this is a wake up sheeple song <laughs> oh this is a wake up sheeple band yeah, yeah yeah i was gonna say like again looking at like what people bit from them they were one of the first modern i mean let's let's take folk music out of the equation the please 80s, please yeah but like the 80s <laughs> weren't necessarily Okay, so I was born in 1977, so that needs to be context. So I'm 40. So, like, I missed DC hardcore punk. Like, I missed all, like, the Reagan youth and youth of today and, like, all of those types of bands that were trying to say something. Like, I wasn't into Dead Kennedys. I wasn't into, like, the bands that had a message at that time. So this was the first band I ever encountered that had... I have something to say. You know what I mean? Like this was the first band I encountered that had that. So like they had a lot of, but they were presenting it in the way, again, kind of jumping off of like straight out of Compton being a very big record, even though that came out in 88, people were still in 92 fucking listening to that in my school. Like it was brand new. Like that didn't go anywhere. So like having hip hop, be kind of the thing that was new that everybody was into and here's rage coming in with hip-hop and like this more aggressive style but it's not like when anthrax and public enemy did bring the noise which was kind of like this weird hybrid of a music i never identified with this was Mm -hmm. something that like oh shit i love hip-hop and i i've liked industrial i've liked more heart like i like ministry so this is kind of more in that vein. Right. It really it was like, okay, these guys can speak for our generation, which is corny mm. as fuck. But like when you're 15, what do you know about anything? Yeah. yeah. So, boy, I did not know I had this much to say about Rage Against the Machine. It happens, man. Uh, the thing I, I really noticed, though, was uh, something that has come up a lot in interviews. And I just uh, was reading an article the other day is that generally like the touchstones for new metal guys like 
corn and what have you generally only goes back to bands like rage and the other bands that we're going to do during this month and but rage i mean like i said you're getting a van halen touch but also like there are, are like classic rock touches like they have like a greater history and it's like uh yeah when you get to new metal they were just like rage is good like i'll just pull out of that and that's sort of how you get that sound you don't get any of those because these songs breathe more than a lot of standard new metal stuff frankly they they have that that depth of you know trying to say something about the world as opposed to being you know which is a general new metal thing is very insular you know i feel hurt do you know what i mean when oh, the rage message is much more like the world is hurting and we need to fix it jenny um I agree. <laughs> I so what what I have been thinking about uh is just how quickly this band created, formed and then signed to Epic. So they formed in 91. Um Tom Morello was in a group called Lockup. Uh their drummer encouraged uh Tim and Zach to like jam with Tom Morello and then they formed this group. Uh they put out a 12 track cassette tape and started playing a bunch of shows. They attracted a bunch of attention, decided to sign to Epic. And then this album came out. I mean, this album was released in like November of 92. So they'd been a band for maybe a year and a half, two years. And then uh, this this album went triple platinum. Killing in the name was like a huge success. So it's just yeah. sort of uh, I don't know. It's it's just I don't know. I just keep thinking about how much this resonated with people and how quickly they became super popular. Yeah, and the thing is, if you go on YouTube, um, at least fairly recently, there was a video of like the first or second show they yep, ever played. October 23rd, 1991. I just pulled it up. Okay, it's, um, and they're tight as fuck. They're like, they were like an instant unit. It's insane. Like they're so good. They play Killing in the show. Name and it's not that much different than what got laid yeah. down. Yeah, like they were they were already ready to go. Um, and so I... You know, I, I don't know how much we want to talk about it on the show, but I mean, basically, it's like they did three albums. They did their covers album, broke up, you know, for, you know, controversial reasons. Is it Limp Bizkit's fault? I don't know. It's thrown around. But, um, like, it's almost like they were so tight, but, like, at the same time, this what they were singing about, what the, the music was about, like it was too combustible to really maintain for any long period of time. Cause I think what they're, I mean, what if you want to count it like from release day, I mean like they formed in 91 broke up in 2000, nine years. I mean, that's basically like same length as like the Beatles, right? Beatles were like what? I'll 61, sure. 61 to 70, something like that. What I'm trying to say is that the rage and Beatles equal. That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> Absolutely. So, the Papa same. tendrils. Papa Tendrils. Papa Tendrils, yes. Uh, uh, com has 40 comments. Um, all, once again, I mean, people quoting George Carlin. Um, one one comment that just starts with, first of all, history class is a joke. So um, just know what you're getting into <laughs> there. 
Um, lots of talk about the difference between American schools and Australian schools and UK schools. Um, one guy says that this song gives him an audiogasm. Um, gross. Gross. So, yeah, lots of fun, of course, in the songmeanings.com comment section. All right. Up next, we've got Settle for Nothing. So this song is interesting because first I realized that in all my time listening to it as a kid and Matt, this probably plays into what you were saying about your listens to the album. I don't think I really listened to this song all the way through or at all that much. I think it would start and I go, oh, this one's a little slow and I would skip it. Listening to it for the show, I did my three listens, Christ Got Challenged and all that good stuff. This is a moody boy and this is probably one of the most influential songs on this album. Because it's moody and it's got this, like the beginnings of what we would associate the new metal chug. But Jesus Christ, how many albums have we done with a fucking moody boy? Like, oh. this is this is the embryo. This is the beginning moody boy right here. This isn't talking about the government. This is talking about me, my mm-hmm. feelings, how lost I am, my bad childhood my lost moments mm-hmm. and that's like every songwriter who hears this that's had that type of thing like it's touchstones right like yeah. he's he's planting those seeds where it's like it's okay to talk about this yeah yeah i mean the main the main theme is like take action or have everything taken from you you know and you can put that on a a macro scale of you know government and and the world and things being put by you or you can put that on a simple level of like my fucking brother won't get out of my shit you know so um jenny what'd you think of this one oh i did think this was the papa of the moody boy (laughs) and i knew that was true when i went to skip it and realized you can't skip no you can't skip uh, and it's not even that it was bad. I actually prefer this Moody Boy because it feels authentic. I think mm. that's one of the things about this album that uh, is probably why it resonated with people the way that it did because it feels so authentic. 
And I believe that it is. Um, but this is like a true, this is a true moody boy. This is like when you go to school and you saw that like one person who was just like, oh, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's <laughs> not going well for them. No, it's not going well for them. But they definitely wrote something on the bathroom wall that was just like, life is dumb. And you're just like, oh my God. And then you write they something. Yeah. Like, and then you write something that's just like. And long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you're 15 uh, yeah. and you're like, life is long. Yeah. Life is uh, dumb and long. Every Ugh. day. Just whatever. This was like. If what we listen to sometimes in Moody Boys is like a real whatever, dad, this is like an Atlas person. <laughs> this is like, an actual whatever. Yeah, this is a true whatever. This dad. is a true mood. A true mood. <laughs> I agree. A true mood. So if we were to be Papa Tendrils, who ripped it? Who bit it first? Did this song give permission for daddy? Did this song give permission? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say any sort of, yeah, your daddy, um, even something like um, uh, like Sour, I think, on uh, Limp Bizkit, $3 bill, y'all. I mean, definitely thinking about it now, thinking about a lot of the bass moves on uh, on $3 bill, y'all, I'm sure they were thinking about uh old timmy c's bass work on this album um i mean i would even say like a lot of the stuff on that first stained record i mean granted that's really a lot later but um you know i i see that i mean i would say obviously like that first head pe record um definitely was biting from this a lot um you know except you know jared was you know like Let's talk about the pyramids, you know, and things get a little more crazy. I feel like this might have been like Prowlar's grandfather. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah, I was born in the bush. Grandpa paid to play this for me. (laughs) This was a bush song for sure. Would, Um, um, Would a band like, and this is me asking out of, even though I've heard their albums, would a band like Deftones have a tendril out of this? Not know. that they're moody boys, but like it's the way that they self-express. It's that. And you can say no, and that's fine. I mean, my feelings won't be hurt. Um, I don't really get a huge Deftones from this. Um. I know what you mean in terms of like overall vibe. Uh, I just, I guess I feel like the way Deftones tend to take it is very different, but that's okay. probably also because of sensual Chino. Yes, that's my thought. <laughs> this like, is there's... not like, there's no like sensuality to these songs. Okay. Yeah. Which I want to barf that I just said that, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. There's no sensuality to these songs. Wow, she just she is burning some incense in this. <laughs> that feels gross. <laughs> but I feel like this is very much even when Deftones are like operating from this moody boy place, there's 
there's something about this kind of moody boy that yes is like it's about his individual feelings but also his individual feelings i think are sort of rooted in like a larger sense of like um i i don't know if it's like cultural or like it's it it feels like it's not so much based in like necessarily just this is my personal experience it feels like it has something even though like this is your personal experience it feels much larger and more universal and more like i guess i i I don't know if this is me projecting listening to this but i can't really listen to this and not think of like some sort of like government or political or social thing driving the feelings that i'm hearing yeah and when i think of yeah i think yeah i know what you mean um when i think of when like when chino talks about like influences on him like i'm just on like a vocal level though he always cites you know depeche mode and robert smith of the cure and i think that's a huge part of it of, of the difference of why i don't really hear a lot of it like he's not he's not even going i i, I think with Zach De La Roca, he's such an aggressive singer and, and rapper, but also like there's a lot of like hostility and venom in his voice. And I think the th- reason that we always call it like a sensual Chino is that Chino will bring it down and it's not threatening, you know, it's tender and this is not a tender record. And, and so, yeah, and that one, yeah, I'd say Deftones, this is not your father. <laughs> <laughs> All right, up next, we've got Bullet in the Head. forwarding to um i don't have you fast forwarding to anything oh wow um, i mean i mean there's some cool stuff in the song don't get me wrong i um, think it's gonna be the yeah. last minute of the song right where it's just uh this part Tell me. 
It's so fucking great. It ends with great. several yes. Motherfucker. Yeah. What I love about this album is realizing all these older albums from my childhood where I know where every single swear word is on it be- in case I was listening to it and I knew my parents were home and I would like have to turn it down real quick when they swear and then turn it back up. <laughs> oh, this must have been a tough one for you. Oh, yeah. Lots of turning down because um, uh, I didn't have a good pair of headphones. So it was just all through the stereo. Um, another Wake Up Sheeple track. Basically telling you, hey, this is something that we've run into across many an album, including all the way up to Incubus. Turn off that TV. Turn it off. Turn off the idiot box, man. And also the line, cellular phones sounding a death tone. How prevalent was a cellular phone in 1992? Not super. No. These guys ahead of the curve. Well, speaking of papas, Mm. my grandpa, who I never saw because he was very much not the papa to my dad, when he would show up, he drove some sort of like low-level convertible type car, but he Mm -hmm. had a car phone. Oh, wow. And that's, I mean, that would have been around the age that this was happening. Oh, man. Nice Sundance. It might have been a Sundance. Nice it, it, LeBaron. I think it was a LeBaron. I was like, is that the thing? But I yeah. just remember him showing up and being like, I've got a car phone. And being like, <laughs> how the fuck does this work? Um, you put in the number and then you hit send. Like, who are you calling from your car? Who would you it need seemed- to call when you're in the car? You're in the car. Who would you need to call? Uh he Life saw has what changed. We yes, yes, he did. Um, but yeah, another wake up sheeple song. Again, I think I I would I feel like most of the bands that we listen to who are wake up sheeple bands probably. I would definitely not say Rage Against the Machine was the first Wake Up Sheeple band. No. But I think they were the first, one of the first super prominent. 90s Wake Up Sheeple. Wake Up Sheeple bands. And I think that that in turn certainly influenced almost, if any Wake Up Sheeple that we hear, I... They laid the blueprint. Yeah. There's, it's like, there's no way that most of these wake up sheeple bands in like the late 90s, mm. early 2000s weren't just like, oh, yeah. Right. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that this song very much is a corn template with the use of the guitar. Like, it sounds like a power drill um, under those verses up top. It's It's just a straight up like screeching noise. And certainly that, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's parts in those early corn albums where Head and Monkey just sound like they're just making noises. They're not giving you riffs. And funked um, out bass. Oh, the bass. Yeah, I definitely, I think the funny thing about it, though, is that like this bass is so thick and chunky. And Fieldy was like, no, I want it to sound like a rattle. <laughs> like right. Thinner and I want fret rattle for days. Yes. I want you to think it's actually like a bucket of marbles, <laughs> not a base. Songmeanings.com. Uh, we've got 69 comments. Woo. 69, dude. 
Yeah. There you go. Nice. Um, and ah, everyone ah, points. <laughs> Do you guys know what that is? I learned it at my grandma's house. I leaned over the house and then went I straight into a 69. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was just this like babe from California. I just landed like that. I'm cool. I had like 23 wet dreams. It's fine. <laughs> I feel like you had something actual to say, Lauren. I'm uh, yeah, so apparently this song title is a reference to the book 1984 by George Orwell. Oh, yeah. Um, with people, multiple people pulling full quotes from the book. Um, commenter L. Don, a.k.a. The Don, says, I agree with most of your interpretations. I would just like to add that Bullet in the Head is a statement from Orwell's 1984, in which the protagonist, who is at first independently minded, in the end becomes a faithful follower of his government's propaganda. In the book, Orwell describes this as receiving a bullet in your head. All right. All right. I'm going to trust it. Well, up next, we've got Know Your Enemy. You can go to 235. 235. Let's see. We don't need the key. We'll break it. Oh, there's that new metal shot. Here's every Godsmack album. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Here it comes. That was also a little foray into Tool Town. Well, that's because it's Maynard, baby. 
Oh, I know, because in Lollapalooza 93, Tool's on the second stage, baby. So did he come out and oh, do the song with him? I don't remember. Is it true? <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> I cannot recall. <laughs> I cannot. I was entirely possible. <laughs> I was suffering from heat stroke. Ooh, I had second degree burns on my head. We were around a guy who had a hose like a third world country. Please spray some water in my face. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah, you've got so much going on here. This is, oh, man. I mean, we literally getting... went to Tool Town. You, yes. Yes. You literally, it is 100%. You met the mayor of Tool Town. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely what bit from this anything we've ever said went to Tool Town. <laughs> because they actually did go to Tool Town. But they did it the right way. They actually got the mayor. Yeah. 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 They didn't try to go there themselves. No, they well, got they got a tour from the person who understands the lay of the land. Yeah. A lot of these trips to Tool Town often are more like um they roll into Tool Town. It's like seven o'clock on like a Tuesday. They just get their picture taken in front of like the mayor's office. He's not there. It's like and me like, taking a picture next to the Rocky statue. It's like, eh, yeah. you're not Rocky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's got a sturdy riff. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's got Maynard on it. Yeah, this riff. Let's talk mm-hmm. about this riff. Let's talk riffs. Riff talk. There it is. I was gonna sing. This riff, this riff. <laughs> this riff, riff. It's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. Um, um, so I've heard that riff on The Distance the, by mm. Cake. They rip yeah. that riff. Uh, that riff kind of reminds me of more of a uh, earache my eye type of riff. It's more of a classic rock riff. It's a yeah. classic rock riff. Mm-hmm. But something had to be the stepping stone. That's true. Yeah. Because otherwise, you couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah. Proud I mean, that's, I'm proud of I mean, you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not, but I appreciate your. <laughs> <pride>. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it, it, but before it can really get into being like a classic rock song, it's like no, we're we're gonna bring Maynard in. We're gonna go to Tool Town. We're gonna bring this, yeah, this totally different sound in, and then out of Maynard's vocal, you get this wild Tom Morello guitar solo, that's unlike anything else. Uh, songmeanings.com, lots of good comments. I'll go from a commenter, Take on Snake, who said, Rage's idea with the first album was to make music that got normal people into politics. This song uses not hard to get lyrics to lure people into the political meaning. The only time when it gets a little foggy is at the end, but that is Zach, Zach's message that our own teachers and parents pound patriotism into us. Basically, we need to fuck the norm. And the only reason we have an American dream is because too many of us are sleeping. (laughs) Wow. That's a hot one. That's a classic wake up sheeple. Classic wake up sheeple. So something about this album that I think might put it a 
Well, I don't know. So this is something that was in the liner notes. Uh, the, okay. the statement in the liner notes says, no sampled keyboards or synthesizers, synthesizers, that's a word, used in the making of this record can be found at the end of the sleeve. Um, so they say similar things. Uh, so I think that that's something that sort of sets it way outside of like what new metal eventually became because samples, keyboards, synthesizers, that's a big part of many yeah. of the things that we would consider to be just new staples. Metal. Staples. Yeah. Well, I think that's also the other thing is there's this sense of, um, um, I don't want to say work ethic because obviously a lot of these bands have work ethic and it really you know worked. But I think part of it is that the uh, these guys clearly are also coming from I would dare to say a more um I guess I guess the term is like a roxist line. You know, like the, the, they're pushing an authenticity angle that a lot of later new metal is or new metal in general is not concerned with. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. It's like we, I read that type of thing where it's like no synthesizers, no like anything. It's like we, we earned this. We made this all from scratch. Yeah. It's like somebody who tells you like exactly what the fuck they put in their cookies and other mm-hmm. people who are just like, well, I mean, Nestle pretty much figured it out. So I got the brick cookies that you break <laughs> off. They're just like, no. No. It's my grandma's yeah. secret recipe. Artisan. Yeah. This is this is this I this is artisan new metal. <laughs> By which I mean that like, I don't know. They did, I feel like this is authentic. And a lot of the sounds that we hear that do the reason they're saying it's not synthesizers is because it sounds like a fucking synthesizer. You know? They're yeah. like mm-hmm. clarifying that we made this all ourselves when there were things out there that sounded like that. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of bands heard that and was like, this sounds really sweet, but I'm not Tom Morello. So I'm going to go ahead and mm. use a synthesizer. And yeah, then like a lot of people yeah. heard this and they're like, Zach De La Roca sounds sweet, but I'm not Zach, I'm not Zach De La Roca. So I'm just going to like yell about stuff that sounds like what he's yelling about. Yeah. 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 I'll bring the aggression, but not the content. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Next up, uh, Jenny. This oh boy, <laughs> something. Oh. This is a song for the sheeple. <laughs> That's right. It's wake up. <laughs> this is a Led Zeppelin song. See you later, Neo. <laughs> yep. Later. This actually was in the Matrix. I know it was. (laughs) (laughs) That's on me.
what a build to that open. Just get your hype every time. Um, I gotta admit, this was not this song. I liked it, but it didn't really pop back into my radar until the Matrix again. Like then, it was like another. Is like like you said, Matt. Like the singles are really like my focus on the album. And then, but I would listen to the whole thing. But then after the Matrix, I was like, oh, Wake Up. Yep, that's another favorite too now. Jenny, thoughts on Wake Up? I like Wake Up. I only saw the Matrix once. It was in the theater. Don't remember what was in it. It was a real touchstone for me. It was a big movie in my life. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So you watched it more than once? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I regret to inform you. I've seen it in the double digits. Okay. No, that's good. I, I feel like my take on that movie and this album are boring and that I like them, but I don't have any sort of hot take whatsoever. Uh, and I am resisting the urge to like develop a hot take for no reason, <laughs> which I'm sorry if you're listening because it'd probably be more fun. But I'm just like, I think this is good. <laughs> Same way I feel about the Matrix. I'm like, it's good. It's good. It's good. There are some things like what like everybody would be like, oh, red pill or blue pill. That's me and killing in the name. Like I'm like, yeah, I know that. But wake up. I, it makes sense listening to this the three times. I was like, this song makes sense. It's good. It's fine. That works. Matt, what I do you ha- oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Yeah, go ahead. Um, this was never one of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh, definitely rips Led Zeppelin hard. Um, mm. But it is one of those tracks, again, it's like kind of just another bomb track. Like it, there is a sameness to their music, like the way that they set up songs that their through lines, their modes, I guess you could say, like they... Um, if this were a symphony, I guess this would be the uh, the rondo part. Like they have recurring themes thematically, sounds keep coming back in this record. Yeah, that that they really made their own. Like loud, quiet, loud is not something Rage Against the Machine created. Right, but. They absolutely made it their own. Yeah. They didn't necessarily do drops, but boy, could they build. Um, yeah. I was just trying to think, like, is there a band that was doing what Rage did before Rage? I'm, I bet a, a quick Google lead us to, like, some right. sort of deep subreddit that said yes but yes but i mean okay mainstream popularly right mainstream band not that i can recall plus i mean this is four guys and this song is so huge sounding do you know what i mean right it's just a massive sound um have a correction on a recent episode i believe on episode 100 i referred to one of the songs on there as the ultimate wake up sheeple song Uh, i have to take that back because this song is the ultimate wake up sheeple song. It's it, literally called Wake Up. It's just missing the word sheeple. Yeah, basically. That's all it needs is the word sheeple. Yeah. Um, I also saw The Matrix twice in the theaters. And so Matrix Reloaded three times in the theaters. Whoa. Once with my entire family. My mother said afterwards, I said, did you like the movie? She said, no. I'm just glad we did something as a family. There you go. Up next. 
Up next, we've got Fistful of Steel. Where Kid Rock's like, and this is for the questions that don't have any answers. So this music on this song is straight up proto-corn. Got this weird guitar intro into the riff. The riff, it's got a chug to it. Bass is chunky. We got guitar noise under the verse. It's all there. Um, And apparently uh, this song is full of references to Animal Farm, including the line, the silent sheep. Jesus Christ, you guys. The sheep. Wake up, sheeple. Bad. Bad Bad for once in your life. Uh, Jenny, thoughts on Fistful of Steel? Um, I think that this definitely, uh, I think it was you earlier, Lauren, said that this is like more patient than Mm. what we might normally hear from like a new metal band. Mm. And I agree. Um, this definitely to me leaned more to the like rap side of things. Yeah. Um, the wake up sheepleness. Again, I mean, I don't know. This like there's no more wake up sheeple anything, but I liked it. But I I, I mean I made fun of Kid Rock during the song, but that's a tendril. He ripped them off hard. That's a tendril. I mean, same thing with like the uh, ice pick stuff. It's like there's there's like a, a level of like hardcore to this too. That I think I think a lot of hardcore bands did also bite from this. Interesting. I love it. 
I mean, I just think that like when you, when I'm listening to this, I'm hearing some of what all of these bands heard. And it was just like a a way of being extremely wake up sheeple, but very much we are doing, we're rapping, we're doing like metal. We're doing hard, like harder music than you might know, like normally associate this with, but we're, we're, we're rapping too. And like, we have this like very specific message and it's insanely fucking successful. You cannot escape it. That's the thing about this. Like we listen to bands and we're like, okay, like we can listen to a band that we think is great. That Mm -hmm. had very limited to none, like to no like commercial success. But and and we could be like, oh, I hear this in this band. I hear this in this other band. And yes, maybe we do. But the thing about Rage Against the Machine is like they were fucking huge. This is three times platinum. Everybody, everybody heard them, I would say. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has made anything we've listened to heard this. You can't say you didn't. So even if you weren't intentionally lifting... Or intentionally right. biting on this, you fucking. It was heard in this. the e- it was in the ether. It was in the air. It yeah. So that's I think what is so. I think that like even if we're listening to a lot of these songs and they sound the same, and we're like, I don't know, I don't know, it sounds the same. It sounds the same. Yes, a lot of it does, but also, this is the first huge thing to sound like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's so impactful. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably like killing in the name how successful that song was and continues to be and continue i mean in 2009 britain in their normal like i forget what sky tv or whatever tries to do like that number one christmas song and yeah they usually dust off a a crotchety old celebrity to lip sync you know (laughs) to some christmas song and one guy in the uk was like "Eh, why don't we make it rage against the machines killing the name and like it got a groundswell, and in 2009, the number one song at Christmas in the <laughs> in the UK was "Killing in the Name," and they played on BBC, and the BBC was like, uh, "Could you skip that last part?" And they were like, "Sure, no problem." And of course, they didn't. No, uh, they tore down a set of some kind, didn't they? At some point. Um. I mean, they've done uh, a variety of things. I mean, I I know there was like a controversial appearance in SNL. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, well, where that's where they've never been invited back. Yeah. Well, they've hung the flags upside down while uh, the host was. I'm looking at him and I can't remember his name, but he was trying to run for either president or governor or something stupid. And um, oh, it was Forbes. Yes. Yes. Yeah, whatever yeah. Forbes's first name was. And uh yeah, he was Bill he was, Forbes. Sure. I don't know. Um, he didn't win. He didn't win. He didn't win, but yeah, they he, they dropped the flags right before they played um um Bulls on Parade and they were asked not to play their second song and chased out of the building. Whoa. So I got a question. How respectful of our time is this album at 10 amazing songs in length? Great cue. Uh, the length is 52.52. It's a little long for 10 songs, baby. 
It is a little long, baby. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, these songs, these are not short songs. These songs range. Got a lot to say. They do. I mean, we don't see anything that comes in less than 404. That's our top song at Bomb Track. We go anywhere to, looks like about a little over six, which is the last song of the album. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, Wake Up is six minutes as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, long songs. Long songs. Lots to say. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Next up, Township Rebellion. This is where that sameness kind of really starts to show its head. Yeah. I do think, though, like the... I don't know. It just, the guitars on this really give me so much of what I feel like new Metal became. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's constantly... I think it's something we talk about on a lot of the albums we do. Is it's like there's a weird guitar noise or this weird sound... You know, or Jenny, you'll be like, what's this scratchy boy? What's this weird? Like, it's all, it all stems from this. It all stems from Tom Morello being like, I'm going to make my guitar make like a whiny screech here just for shits and giggles. And everyone's like, I'm going to base my life off that. <laughs> That's, that squelch changed my yeah. life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's also funny because I've, yeah, at 10 songs, I mean, even though every song is pretty long. I don't want to say there's any filler on this album. It's just that they, it's once again, because they allow the songs to breathe and they take their time in a lot of ways, the songs end up being pretty long. So. Yeah. yeah I agree I with you. I was wondering that. Um, I've, I've listened to this album several times before we did this, but I did my three for this. And the second time I listened to it, I did wonder like, are these tracks filler and do they just not seem like filler to me because it just seems like a fundamental album to something and I don't have any great reasons why or why they are not filler other than in my heart <laughs> they do not feel <laughs> like filler <laughs> and that's not a great argument for anything but I just when I'm listening yeah. to them I'm like they're they're too authentic they're too and uh while i i find the whole like always disclaiming that like there are no synthesizers there's no anything you know mm -hmm. it, it's just yeah. very like the whole like technology's killing us thing which is always true everybody always thinks that 
everybody might always be right. I don't know. Mm. But that whole thing feels like very like pretentious to me. But at the same time, it is very impressive that we're getting these sounds and we're getting these songs without any of that. Um, that's why none of it feels like filler to me, I think. Okay. What do you think? Back then, I felt like some of these songs were straight up filler. Like, it didn't have the nostalgia. Like, truly, fi- like, once Evil Empire came out, this album is a classic. Untouchable. Mm-hmm. Right. Fundamental. Bedrock. But even at the time, I was like, eh, I can take or leave five songs on this. Like, the radio songs were always the most important songs to me, which is trendy, sure. Um, Not the most musically inclined answer, but the fucking truth, I'd be lying if I said anything different. Like, I've always felt like they repeat the same themes. I could sing Bomb Track over the same way that we made fun of the kid rock record for being able to say and this is for the questions that don't have any answers like you can say mm-hmm. it's just another bomb track over most of this record and you're right. going to be fine um it but that doesn't take away from how important the record is yeah you know th- they have something to say and they pl- if he got one note these guys played the fuck out of that note Right. Yeah. Mm. And I think also maybe just adding to the legacy is that when they made Evil Empire, Evil Empire is not this album. And the no. songs in Evil Empire all sound different from each other. You can't you can't you can't put uh Bulls on Parade on top of, you know, Vietnam or something like that. But so. but Bulls on Parade would fit on this record no problem. Probably. You could sing Bulls on Parade to almost any of these album, yeah. these songs as well. Well, that's because Bulls on Parade is so good. <laughs> I mean, you could put Bulls on Parade on a Diana Ross song. And <laughs> quit <not> it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got one more track left, and it is Freedom. With the short shot, sure to make your body rock. It's the same guys. Yo, check the diagonal. Three brothers going, come on. Don't 
Clutch just has like a perpetual IOU that they just send out to Rage Against the Machine for every record. They were like, we came up at the same time. We formed in 1990. We're fine. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, that was the self-titled album from Rage Against the Machine. Now. Do we want to hear him yell freedom? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. I kind of feel like. All right. We got to rewind a little bit. We're gonna fucking yeah. get into a fight. Oh no. Freedom. <laughs> yeah, right. Freedom. It's a, hot, it's a hot one. It's so a very, great. Very wonderful angry clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, anger is a gift. I mean, that little whisper right there. I mean, that felt I mean that feels like the the light to the wick on <laughs> the whole new metal <laughs> thing too, you know? The spark to the match. Yeah, right? Just like anger is a gift. And said like as a whisper. Yeah. Um I guess yeah. Now we're uh, we're not talking canon talk because this is uh, so. What are we calling this? Are you the papa? Um, I would say, rage against the machine. You are the papa. You are the papa. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Rage against the machine. You are a papa of new metal. Um, I mean the. The influence is clear and obvious um, across the board throughout the album. Uh, I will say this album was not as much of a crusher as I remember in that it gave the songs were able to breathe more. Um, But I think it also might just be that we listen to so many albums that are just like, you know, so 
um, just in you know of the era. But uh, it's a classic. It's a classic, and I love it. Jenny. Uh, yes, I think that they are a papa. Um, I agree with you that it doesn't feel. It's it's a crusher. It's it's a patient crusher. There it is. There's no way that this album is not a crusher, but it relents. I think in some ways, especially if like you're just listening to it, uh, the, like the the pieces of it that we listened to on this episode. If you were li- to listen to this front to back, it crushes more than it. I think it came across to us at this mm-hmm. particular time but like um not not the way that some of like not the way that i remembered it being um mm-hmm. but i still thought it was great i think that the influences are extremely clear um and i also liked to hear a lot of like what i feel are the influences on like other genres hardcore is one that i mentioned but there's like a lot of like groove metal things that i mm-hmm. think i can like hear that mm-hmm. were probably lifted from this a little bit uh I love this album. It was sweet to listen to. And I would say you're a papa. Matt? Definitely a papa. I would say that this absolutely is a crusher. The thing that Rage got and gets more than most bands is dynamics. This is an album of them playing to dynamics to builds to loud quiet loud to mm-hmm. a lot of information versus straight ahead fuck you i won't do what you tell me like yeah. here's here's the history of the wrongful imprisonment of leonard peltier here's the full story of why this person went to jail and then here's bullet in your head you yeah. know like they mm-hmm. They couple the sophisticated with brute force better than name a high number. I mean, fucking like 90% of the bands that you listen to. I was going to say a million. Yeah, I mean, like better than hundreds of bands (laughs) that you've heard try to do the same thing. It, it, It is clear. Their influence, it is a watershed moment in music this record there you go Absolutely. i can't there it is i can't give it higher praise without like right. really going out there rage against the machine you are are a, a papa, papa. <laughs> and uh thank you so much that does uh, bring us to the end of the episode thank you so much for listening uh keep on saying hello on facebook twitter instagram send us an email roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com uh the juggalo hundo juggalo hundo continues on um a bit of a setback um a couple (laughs) people had had uh had emailed us that they had attempted to uh pump up our numbers a little bit well it looks like apple was on the case on that and they cracked down down, so uh, they removed a couple uh, I think we were up to like 80 on the American iTunes. It's been knocked down to 77. And with our international numbers, what does that bring our total to, Matt? That brings us uh, back to, we were at 85. I believe we're back at 82. Okay. 82. I did some math. Just with a pencil. Okay. That's right. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
All right. So, yeah, we are at 82 reviews. Uh, once we get to 100 reviews on iTunes, we will do a special ICP episode of the Amazing Jekyll Brothers. We will get face painted up. We'll wear jerseys. We're going to drink Fago. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about that album, too. Uh, we got to oh, get 100. Oh, oh, should yeah. we mention hmm. we're going to have a giveaway? Uh, Matt, you are the giveaway master. What are we What are we giving away? Juggalos. Juggalettes. Family. No, oh, I thought you meant we were giving the people away. I'm like, Matt, we're not <laughs> getting into human trafficking. <laughs> no. No. Juggalo. Juggalettes. Family. Okay. Have you always wanted an amazing Jekyll Brothers hockey jersey? Have you? We're I gonna mean... Give, we're going to give one away. Whoa. All we got to do is get to that hundo. Hot damn. I'm telling you, friends... Share these episodes, get more people into the, let them ride the roach. And tell them to ride the roach to the bitter end. Right. Because <laughs> we did not bring it up in the early part of the episode. No, get them an hour 52 into this app. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Quit their job. <laughs> no, get a job further away from your home. Yeah. Yeah, milk that commute. <laughs> So you, oh boy, oh man! I'm sorry. All I right. believe in your giveaway. The giveaway is for real. Uh, sharing these episodes is for real. Uh, we've thank you for everybody who does that. It honestly helps so much. You have no idea how much it helps. All right. So yes, uh, something more to uh, look forward to with the Juggalo Hundo. And uh, yes, until next time, Jenny. Thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt, thank you. Thank you. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.